Aren't we lucky to have heard that original recording of a sailor with a bottle of rum on his boat trying to call for whales off the coast of Ireland in 1608. Magical, thrilling, wondrous. Hello and welcome back to the final couplet with me, Theo Cowan. Today we're looking at Sonnet 75 because that's what comes after 22, isn't it? (laughs) I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. In many ways, I wish I wasn't. And I was actually on Sonnet 75. And I'd done the 50 or so sonnets in between 22 and 75. But unfortunately, I haven't. So I need to do them, don't I? Because that is how this podcast works. So let's not mess around anymore. Let's look at Sonnet 23. Sonnet 23. As an unperfect actor on the stage, who with his fear is put besides his part, or some fierce thing replete with too much rage, whose strength's abundance weakens his own heart, so I, for fear of trust, forget to say the perfect ceremony of love's right, and in mine own love's strength seem to decay, o'ercharged with burden of mine own love's might. O let my books be then the eloquence and dumb presages of my speaking breast, and plead for love and look for recompense more than that tongue that more hath more expressed. O learn to read what silent love hath writ, to hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit. Yes, this one. I've heard of, I've know of this one. I've heard this one before. You might have done too. Certainly that first line. Maybe I haven't heard the rest. Must be annoying if you're Shakespeare and you've written this sonnet and, and all everyone talks about is the first two bloody lines. What about the rest? Yeah, that that unperfect actor part is is quite classic and still used as a quote today. Right, come on then, gloves off. Let's try and work out what the hell old Bill was talking about in this one. So, of course, we start with, as an unperfect actor on the stage who with his fear is put besides his part. I always thought it was who, with his fear, was put beside his part, but it's actually besides his part. Anyway, this to me seems like an actor that that has good old-fashioned stage fright. And they're so scared, they're on the stage, they're quivering, and they've bloody forgotten their part, haven't they? And he's put besides it, so he's forgotten it. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Nightmare. Absolute nightmare situation for actors, that. Always know your part. And also, if you're going to go on stage, probably don't be scared of, of, of going on stage. That's just a general note to actors. If you're going to go on stage, don't be scared of going on stage. So you can take that away from this. A little bit of little nugget of wisdom. Then he goes on to say, 
or some fierce thing replete with too much rage, whose strength's abundance weakens his own heart. So here he's saying, you know, some fierce thing. I'm I'm imagining an, a, an animal, personally. I'm I'm th- I'm imagining I'm imagining a tiger, if you're asking. And I hope, I hope to God, Shakespeare was too. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You can think of an animal, any animal, or you can think of a human if you want. Not my problem. Not for me to explain to you that one. Anyway, a fierce thing replete with too much rage that's got so much bloody rage within it. And actually, it has so much strength, strength in abundance, it weakens its own heart. It's too strong for its own good. That uh, that fierce thing. I've always said that about lions and tigers. They're, they're, they're too strong for their own good. And it looks like Shakespeare agrees. So they're so strong that it actually weakens their heart. So I, for fear of trust, forget to say the perfect ceremony of love's right. So now he's bringing it back to himself, as he is wont to do. He's saying, I, I can't trust myself. And I forget to say the things to my lover that I should say, that I should be saying, which is, you know, you, you, well, you know, maybe better than me, don't you? What do you, what are you meant to say to your lover? You know, I probably, I love you. You look nice today. I like your hair. You smell good today. I like how, what, how you've done your, uh, how you've done your shirt in that way. You've, you've given yourself a French tuck, which is nice. You know, those sort of things. I think that's what it means. And in mine own love's strength seemed to decay, overcharged with burden of mine own love's might. So here he's saying, uh, he's bringing it back to the, to the whole thing about the fierce thing that he was talking about. He's saying, well, you know, weirdly, and this is weird, it's weird to say, but I'm just going to say it. When I am loving at my strongest, when I feel love at its strongest, actually seems to be getting weaker. The love is getting weaker. Does that make sense? Not really. I don't really get it, but that's what he's saying, I think. Oh, let my books be then the eloquence and dumb presages of my speaking breast. Here we bloody go. He's brought it back to his writing again. Thank God. Thank God he has. So he's saying, just let my let my writing do the talking, you know? Because it's bloody good, my writing. Let that do the talking. Let my writing do the talking for my heart. All right? Don't let me talk. Don't listen to me. Just have a read of my writing. Read this, actually, this very sonnet. Just read that. Don't listen. Stop listening to me. Read this, is what he's saying there. Who plead for love and look for recompense more than that tongue that more hath more expressed. Again, it's a clunky one, isn't it? It's clunky. What are you talking about there? More than that tongue that more hath more expressed. Come on. There's no way you think that sounds good. 
and and I know things were different back then, but that is crazy that you think that sounds good. It's such a mouthful. It's meant to be a love poem for God's sake. Anyway, he's continuing on his point here. He's saying, you know, my writing pleads for love better than I could if I was saying it out loud with my tongue. And now the final couplet. Oh, learn to read what silent love hath writ. To hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit. Actually, I should do that once more because there's a um, bit of punctuation that might help. Oh, learn to read that silent love hath writ. To hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit. That was a little bit better, wasn't it? Can you guess what the punctuation was? And this is basically summing up, as it is wont to do, he's saying, read the lines, the silent lines that my voice can't express. You'll discover much more by listening with your eyes, to hear with eyes. You'll learn much more about my love by using your bloody eyes. Use your bloody eyes for once. That should be the real final couplet. Just all of that and then use your bloody eyes for once. Jesus. Reading much? Ever heard of reading much? Well, I like it, but I think it's pretty clear why the first two lines are the ones that are used now and the rest is sort of forgotten. I mean, it's not like more than the tongue that more hath more expressed is going to be the the one that everyone uses, is it? You're not going to hear that quoted left, right and centre in the modern age, are you? So I think we should put this to our story. And if you remember last week, Shakespeare had discovered Ben Jonson and David in bed together. And he'd gone downstairs and he was absolutely blackout drunk. And he bumped into the actor who was playing Juliet, who was also a bit inebriated, maybe not quite so much as Shakespeare. And he read Sonnet 22 to him because I think he's just desperate at this point, wasn't he? Let's see how that went down and how 23 fits into everything. Shakespeare finished reading Sonnet 22 to the young actor playing Juliet. He looked up at Shakespeare and said, That was really creepy, mate. What the hell? You're talking about taking my heart. What? Do you do you fancy me? And Shakespeare was like, Do I fancy you? No, I just want your heart in my heart. And you can have mine. And the actor goes, I don't want yours. I definitely don't want your heart. My heart's just fine. I'll keep my heart. And Shakespeare said, give me a bloody heart. Give me a heart. And they chase each other around the table. Dodging. Weaving. And eventually Shakespeare grabs the actor by the chest and says, give me your heart. Ben Johnson bursts into the kitchen and says, Shakespeare, what the hell are you doing? You've had too much to drink. And Shakespeare said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just really upset. I just want to be in love. 
Ben says, look, you need to get some sleep. Go next door into the living room. I've got a pull-out couch. Have a little nap. Feel better in the morning. And he turns to the young actor who plays Juliet and he says, do you want to come up to my, my room? Me and David are up there. And the young actor said, God, why are you all so bloody horny? Leave me alone. And he runs out of the house. And Ben Johnson says, well, it was worth a go. And they all go to sleep. Shakespeare the next day has a horrible hangover. And he goes into the kitchen and Ben Johnson is making scrambled eggs with some avocado for David. And he says, ah, Bill, how are you feeling? Fancy some eggs? And Bill says, oh, I feel terrible. Did anything weird happen last night? I can't remember a thing. Ben Johnson said, nope, not much happened really. Everyone just went home and we all just went to sleep. Nothing happened really. And Bill narrowed his eyes and thought, "Mm, I don't think that's true. Because Ben is a terrible actor. Shakespeare decided to go home. He thought, I just can't get through to David. I love him, but I can't get through to him. I think he loves my writing, but as soon as I open my bloody mouth... He gets turned off. And he thinks for a moment. Huh. I'm going to write another sonnet. Now hear me out. And he's saying this to himself. Shakespeare talked to himself quite a lot. He said, hear me out, Shakespeare. I know what you're thinking. Another sonnet. But listen, this time I won't read it. It will be written to be read. That's pretty good, isn't it, actually? That's quite clever. And so he got out his quill and penned Sonnet 23. Now, he had a problem. David wasn't really speaking to him. He wasn't answering any of his letters. And when Shakespeare went to the theatre to watch Romeo and Juliet, he got the cold shoulder from David because David obviously thought he was a bloody weirdo. So he thought, hmm, there must be a way I can make him read this. He suddenly got an idea, and the next day he went to the theatre for the evening performance of Romeo and Juliet. Backstage, he found a little costume for himself, and he dressed himself up as a messenger, and he thought... I'm going to come on stage and deliver Sonnet 23 to Romeo, played by David, of course. If he's there on stage, he'll have to read the letter that I give him. It's perfect. So he waited and waited for the best moment in the play to deliver the sonnet to David. Juliet was mid monologue. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? And Romeo was just below her, 
course, it's the balcony scene that we all know and love to this day. And Shakespeare confidently walks on and says, Romeo, a message for Romeo. Is he here? And David turns his eyes wide with shock to see the playwright William Shakespeare standing next to him. Um, yes, tis I, tis I, Romeo. And Shakespeare says, Aha! Excellent to hear it. I have forth a letter from your cousin, Sir Shakespeare of William. And David says, Well, peasant, hand it over. And Shakespeare said, Don't call me peasant. I'm a messenger, not a peasant. And David said, You ugly peasant, hand it here now. And Shakespeare says, I'm not ugly. I'm good looking. Okay? Meanwhile, the actor playing Juliet is looking down in shock at this extra scene that's been added. And Romeo says, just give me the bloody letter. Even the audience now are a bit confused about what's going on. And Shakespeare senses this and says, yes, the letter is here in mine hand. Here taketh the letter and be gone. And Romeo says, well, you be gone. I need to stay. And Shakespeare says, yes, of course, I will be gone in but a flash. And he throws down a little pellet that produces smoke and disappears. It's actually quite impressive. David, still in shock, unfolds the piece of paper in his hand and reads. Sonnet 23. Like a shit actor who hasn't prepared properly and forgets all his lines. Or like a fierce animal that has so much strength it actually makes its heart weaker. So I, because I can't trust myself, forget to say the things lovers are meant to say to their sweethearts. When my love is at its strongest, it seems to get weaker. So let my writing speak for my heart. My poems plead for love better than I could if I spoke, even if I spoke for ages. Oh, read these silent lines that I have written. You will learn more about my love this way. Brilliant. A hell of an episode, I think. And that story is just out of this world. It's, it's hard to believe that that actually happened, isn't it? But all the research and books that I have read point towards that being an event that actually happened. Which is just mind-blowing. And I'm really surprised not more historians are talking about it. But anyway... Until next week, bye!